0: Well, hello and welcome to the first episode of this arc of what is good code. You know, I'm really excited for you to join because today I'm joined by Brett Gregerson, who, I won't spoil it, but is a really talented person and I think you'll all enjoy. What we're going to tackle is that age old question of what is good code and specifically from Brett's perspective and quality assurance. You know, without further delay, let's get to the episode. For taking the time, I appreciate it. Um, So, a lot of people don't know you. I do know you. Can you give me kind of like a background of how you started, um, kind of your career journey now?
1: Absolutely. So, first, let me thank you for having me on. Very excited to be here. Um, So, first of all, my name is uh, Brad Gregerson. I'm now you all know. Uh, I started not here in Ohio, so my experience may differ from some of those listening. Uh, I started. Uh, actually, out in Seattle area. So, my background, and I think this is uh, something important to mention, is that from a university standpoint, I have no coding background. Well, a couple courses, but I'm a math and stats major myself. And I entered into the world of coding through a program meant to pull people in who didn't have coding backgrounds at Microsoft. So I came in what was called the Test Apprentice Program, and It was meant for folks who thought in a different way. And the reason I bring this up is don't worry about your background so much as what you can do with it to apply it into the world you're interested in. So I came into Microsoft through this test apprentice program where they taught us how to code as well as how to test. So my beginning was all in the test side of the world. Uh, For those of you who may not know out there, uh, Microsoft is big into test or at least was back at that time where there was actually an even number of test engineers as the word development engineers. Uh, Not something you typically see today, but it was interesting back then. Uh, That's how much they valued code quality. So I began my first several years there and I transitioned from Microsoft over to Google. Um, more than anything, it was just a chance for me to experience something different. Right? I had experienced what this job meant, what test meant, what software development meant at Microsoft, and I wanted to see what that meant at a different company. Um, sometimes opportunities just come your way, they happen to reach out to me, seemed like a good time. Uh, Google had a very different philosophy, not just toward tests, but software development in general, uh, a philosophy that has played a larger role in software today, as they were more uh, focused on small releases. More of uh, they had more of the sense of what is today an agile methodology, despite not quite solidifying it that way and not having uh, the Scrum implemented as it is now in a lot of places. But they were putting out code using CI/CD pipelines, much more what you would look for today in quality software development. Spent some time there, uh, went back to Microsoft, mainly just because I really enjoyed working there. Um, wanted to go back, I moved to California for Google, moved back to Washington. Um, and then I decided I had spent so much time in large companies uh, and on the West Coast. I wanted to get away from the West Coast, try somewhere else, um, somewhere that had a different focus on it. Not not all about the fast pace, but still cared a lot about software development. Columbus is that hub. Uh, Great software development here. A lot of solid companies, um, amazing talent, and somewhere I could come and you know be valuable. Um, but also was different from the West Coast. Very much. So. I would
0: imagine the taxes just alone. Uh,
1: the, the cost of living is a completely different nightmare out there. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. It's only gotten worse. Um, so everything about Ohio is is very different. Um, However, there's actually a lot, in some cases, the software development here in Columbus is actually ahead of because it doesn't have a lot of the background that you see out there weighing it down. So I came out here, uh, worked at a company based in Powell called Health Edge uh, for a little while. I moved over to Wendy's, so kind of jumping between uh, larger and smaller. But Wendy's was the first company I worked at that wasn't itself... Uh, a software development shop, right, it, it, it said it had a software department, it had 90 degree labs at the time, but the company itself didn't produce software, that wasn't what they did. And of course now at uh, Capitus, very much the same thing, right, it's, it's what we are, it's what we need to be, but it's not our product necessarily to the world, right, the, the software isn't the product itself, it allows for our product to be successful. And so that's been a big change for me as well. Uh, Throughout that time, though, moving company to company, I was always in jobs related to test, uh, test development, test automation, um, until most recently, you know, moving over to the managerial side of stuff. Still having tests with me, but also other aspects of management. gives me some slightly different perspectives on code quality than a developer might have, but also looking at it from a managerial standpoint is actually yet a different perspective and I didn't expect it to be. Uh, So that's been interesting in and of itself. That's a little bit about my journey, though.
0: (laughs) I could just imagine you, I talked to the parties, did you used to say, I work at Wendy's and then wait for a reaction?
1: Uh, yeah, the first reaction whenever I say I work at Wendy's is an eyebrow raise.
0: Yeah.
1: Followed by uh, which one and can I get some free food? Hmm. I don't even get free food when I worked there. So, you know, nobody else is getting free food.
0: Um, <laughs> honestly, I would rank Wendy's uh, pretty high up on the, on the burgers, honestly.
1: Put them right above McDonald's for um, Yeah, I think when you're looking at the major competitors,
0: Yeah. Yeah. At that price point, I think Wendy's has it. Um, But since you've worked at some of the, the most like kind of, well, in some people's perspective, the elite companies like Google and Microsoft, like what would you take away from it? Did you feel like you were kind of like one, uh, one drop and like a C, do you feel, you know, did you gain the learning that you thought you were going to gain?
1: both were actually great for somebody uh, starting out in their career, I will say from different perspectives. Uh, Yes. So you were very much a cog in the machine, right? Um, Your voice doesn't have as much impact. You can't affect the outcome of a project, maybe to the, to the same degree you can at a smaller company. Uh, And in that way, it can be challenging, right? But as somebody who's there more to learn than anything else, it can be amazing for a few reasons. Uh, so, Microsoft, let's start on that topic. And this can apply at any large software shop, but I certainly wasn't going to learn something like agile development working in Windows. Uh, in case anybody doesn't remember, for a long time there, Windows took three to six years to come out. Wasn't anything particularly agile about the way they developed either. Uh, you know, big, long milestones and all of that. However, they had, there were so many practices in place. They had a lot of discipline when it came to the way that they wrote code and the way they approached code quality. Um, A lot of people engaged, obviously, right? So there was a lot of people to work with on any given thing. Um, When I was working there, for instance, my first project on the test side is I was testing a feature in Windows 7 before it came out called Theme Packs. Don't worry about straining your minds on that one. You've never heard of it and that's okay because nobody used Theme Packs. The fact of the matter is, theme packs is one very, very tiny piece of a massive piece of software, right? But there's so much in that software. Windows itself is so huge that it was still important to have a dedicated person testing just theme packs, because in some in a project that huge, every piece does still matter, you know. And in that time, I got to find that out firsthand because, believe it or not, there was actually a security vulnerability. Uh, in theme packs, uh, which sounds funny, but it, it had to be addressed. It, you know, it wasn't in there by the time launch happened because it was caught. But uh, yes, you could actually cause um, a delay of service attack on Windows itself uh-huh. with a theme pack. Yeah, it was. It was very interesting. Uh, something that was, you know, again quickly corrected without a lot of effort. But it's just that code quality matters so much because even something like that can slip through if you aren't focusing enough on, on how you're writing every little piece, what, what checks you are putting in there, right? This is a case of everything was built right from a happy path, right? If, if what was in a feedback was expected, then it worked great at the time, right? But the negative checks hadn't been done yet. Uh, once you go off that happy path, right, you've got to be careful as well from that. And that'll get into some of our code quality talks later and, and what you look for as you slowly move through, right? But for myself, from a test perspective, that incident, uh, discovering that, told me a lot about what I should expect from the code that's being developed. Uh, the other thing about a place like Microsoft is you may not immediately on the test site normally have access to the development code uh, unless you want to you know, pull down the repo yourself. And um, it's not as easily accessible as it is now because that was a again a much larger shop much larger set of code and pulling it down wasn't quite as easy as i'm making it sound it's not like pulling a project down on github it's a little different than that right so in that larger environment it can sometimes be harder to have access to what you think you might need access to but there's a lot of great people to learn from so if you are if you are finding yourself looking at larger you know companies early on in your career which i do, do think is a good option i i just positives to both, I think. But if you are looking at that, find the people who can teach you. Find the people who clearly know code quality best or or know uh, about the area you are trying to develop yourself in the best. They are there, right? Big companies do have these people. Sure, they've got people of all types, but they will have these great people who care a lot about code. Um, I I worked with some great folks on the test automation side who taught me a great deal of what I took forward. So that's what I think you'll find mostly at these larger shops is people who do know what it is you want to learn. And they're often happy to give it to you, right? We work in an industry, thankfully, is is really uh, very sharing. transparent.
0: It's all about sharing. I mean, uh, it, I, don't, I don't think Python or, or JavaScript would really work if we didn't have all those packages. Have to absolutely.
1: You know... it's not an industry where people are trying to keep things from themselves or hide things from each other, right? We want to share. We want to make everybody better, uh, which is very unique in the world, is to have an industry that's based on sharing and trying to elevate everybody without trying to get money from it, right? You know, you look at the open source world, people aren't saying, oh, you know, pay me $5 for, you know, this library. No, you can download that library because they put it out there for you, right? It's an amazing industry in that way. And people within it are very much that same mindset, right? They're not afraid of giving you the knowledge of helping you along. They want you to be good. They want you to be a quality programmer, just like they are. Because it's It's one about paying it forward. And two, it's about you're working on things together. You want everybody to be great.
0: (laughs) That's true, I never thought about
1: it. A lot of, yeah, a lot
0: of other industries don't have that. I think this is um uh, yeah because you think about it chefs don't teach themselves techniques or share their techniques nor do um i guess video game designers or anything like that i never really thought about that before it's a good point um well let's rewind a little bit so after after kind of being at these big companies was there a moment that kind of made you say you know what uh, i I've, I've done enough time in these big companies. I've learned as much as I possibly can here, or at least what I'm content with. And this is the point that I want to go and do this other thing.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so that, that moment actually hit during my second term at Microsoft, where I realized I wanted to have more impact. And I think this is a natural point for people to come to. Some, of, some people come to this far earlier in their career where they really feel the need to have impact. Um, and it's always good to have that desire to impact things. You know, I do think that in whatever way, when you're early on, you want to learn as much as you can, right. And that should be more important than impact early on, but having is always important. And I realized that I needed to have a larger impact on the software I was working on than I could have at a large company, developing something alongside 5,000 people. Uh, I think, I think five or 6,000 what they were at for the number of people that worked in Windows at the time. Yeah, one product. So I, I needed to have more impact than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's when I, I came across this direction and I was excited to work at a much smaller company. Uh, the, the whole company size at the time was around 250 or 300 people.
0: Oh, wow. Well, it's a, a
1: big jump down. <laughs> yes, a big jump down <laughs> to the number of people. And the office I worked in was the only satellite office. So the, the headquarters was Uh, near Boston and in our area or in our uh, remote location, there was only, I I think 60 of us. So considerably smaller. And we were the only ones who developed this part of the product, which was uh, a product called Care Manager. And it was immediately apparent the difference. Um, Suddenly we were trying to develop something that was pretty massive, you know, with a much smaller team. So being efficient was important. making sure that we had clean code, making sure we had the right tests in place, all of this became far more important than it was before. You know, when you're working on something like Windows, you know it's important because um, everything that can go wrong will, because of how many users there are, sure, right? But at the same time, you know something's gonna get through, you're not gonna stop every bug, and it's unlikely that it's going to be as severe For the end user as it is in the case when you're working on a smaller project where if something goes wrong it may be really hard to get support it may be very difficult to fix it and it could be very costly Um, suddenly every bug you stop seems more impactful right and and every line of code almost has more weight behind it because there are fewer lines of code and every line has to do something really important again getting back to the theme packs discussion right nobody used theme packs uh i I mean i'm sure there's one or two people who did because it was a thing and they thought what the heck let's try it out but other than those handful of people nobody used it right it's cool it was a cool feature and it was fun and all that but every feature in a smaller product has to be impactful which means every line has to be impactful and they can only be impactful if care is taken and they're written properly Cleanly and efficiently.
0: That has a lot of weight to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <laughs> let's let's go from kind of a high level. Let's go a little bit lower. Like, if you were to describe what is good code to a five-year-old, how would you go about doing that? Saying so it's its simplest terms, that you could possibly describe it.
1: All right. So. I, I... I have to say that uh, it's an interesting question, right? You're describing something that is actually quite complex. So when you want to boil it down, you just got to get the most important parts across. When it comes to good code, good code is simple, does what it needs to do, and doesn't do any more than that, and doesn't try to be fancy.
0: So good code is Crocs. (laughs) (laughs) kid. but no, that's that's a that's a that's a really good description for it. I mean, it's definitely shorter than mine. I, I had an essay <laughs> on that. I was like, you know, 5 year old you're gonna have to learn how to
1: read. <laughs> uh, I, I have kids, and I actually did teach them uh, the basics of coding. Uh, one of which was five at the time, so you know, trying to get these across was very important. Uh, of course, even just getting coding across is challenging. But you know, to help them uh, understand what it's about, to write it the right way, yeah, you got to be very selective with your words. Um, I, I I do, you know, I do think it's important though. I think of all those things, the most important one is that don't try to get fancy. It just does what it needs to do and doesn't do anything else because that means you've been efficient with your time and you've helped the project succeed and that's what impresses people the most you know you've got time to do fancy things we you know everybody's got this long career ahead of them and you will get to a point where you can be the person whose job it is to do fancy cool things right there's people who do that and they're amazing right we all look up to them i know i certainly did i still do you know on the test side i've moved away from programming, uh, largely. I don't really touch it much anymore. And uh, the person that I looked up to previously, I still do. And I looked up to this person to build these great, fancy, amazing frameworks for test automation. They can still do things I can't do, but it's their job to be fancy. That is what they do. Because this person you know, has lots of years of experience and started out doing the simple, straightforward, right thing so they could build to the point where they can do fancy things and it's shockingly not fancy when you dive into it because they know how to boil it down Um, it really is
0: so if you were to say like um obviously like i know i wrote a bunch of spaghetti in my time i mean i probably (laughs) still do some some levels at least like from a from a junior to a mid to like a senior what would you what what do you normally see as far as the transition from kind of like really bad, slightly better,
1: and sometimes they're okay. <laughs> so let me talk about it from a test perspective, right? Because this is how, how I've experienced it the most. When I'm working with somebody really junior and, and testing their code, it's usually that they've they've coded something that will accomplish the goal, right? They've got uh, a goal in front of them they're trying to code to, and they do. But they generally, one, uh, have written written more than they needed to, to accomplish it. That's the most common, right? Is usually people go beyond, and they try to think of every little case in their mind, right, and then they fill in all of these blanks they really didn't need to up front. The second thing that I see very commonly is that even though they tried to account for a whole lot of things up front, it's usually accounting for corner cases. Uh, things that are these really outlier things and even though they've added all this code they didn't uh, set up themselves set themselves up to succeed on the the simple negatives so they set themselves up for positive cases all over the place and these really extreme negative cases but the basic negative cases somehow slipped through uh, the third most common thing for a junior and then we can move on beyond that is What they write is one really long function. (laughs) (laughs) If you find yourself writing a really long function, Mm -hmm. stop. Just stop.
0: I am guilty of that before starting though. Before starting here, I I am guilty of that. I remember I had a React app, which was one function. (laughs) It made made API calls and got stuff back and displayed it. It was all one function. It was really bad, but I learned from it. (laughs)
1: It's still up
0: there. I'll I'll have to leak it.
1: And and everybody has to go through that. Everybody has to do that so they can learn from it. It's the natural step. You know, you want to do all of this great stuff, and you're packing it all in at once because it's all just in your mind. It's not stopping, right? The ideas are flowing. It's just coming out and putting itself down, right? You're typing it in. You're getting it out there. It feels great because you've got these great ideas and you want to get it out there and it is good stuff, but you need to realize when you need to break it apart and make it all into individual simple pieces. Um, When I look at uh, somebody as a mid-level developer, this is when I start to see uh, refined, you start seeing smaller functions. Um, You start seeing refined code in things like the naming that conventions they do. this isn't just for functions, but for variables. Uh, you find the code is much easier to read from a human perspective. You start to see more documenting within the code uh, because this person's used to having to share with others. So what I see with the, uh, the mid-developer, and I think I got through some of this, was um, you know, uh, their more legible in what they write. Their code's more legible. Uh, naming conventions are better. Documentation's better within the code. They're used to sharing with people. They're used to having to read other people's code, and they know what they want other people to see out of their code, right? So you're starting to see that maturity in those aspects. Um, you're also starting to see them use uh, you know more classes so you can split up uh, The ideas the functionality of the work but you can also build out libraries that others can use you're not seeing a lot of that it's usually here's a couple functions that maybe i'll use in a different project or uh, different functions or different classes of mine so i can share it across more easily i usually they're usually not the ones thinking uh, across every project or every repo hey they're going to all be able to use this but it's certainly starting to etch its way that direction as far as clean code goes uh, you see a, a minimization of inputs into functions you know if uh, they will keep it to only what is necessary as far as uh, passing anything in um, as far as what they're passing out they're more careful uh, trying to use things uh, you know inheritance polymorphism uh, properly some of these some of these things that you know you laughed at yourself thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, that was great in college, but I'm not actually going to care about that. You start to see these things used more regularly. Um, and the one big thing for somebody uh, from the test side that you start to see the code starts being designed with testing in mind. Now, it doesn't happen all the time, but you see these testability hooks start to arrive. Um, And that shows itself in different ways. In UI code from a a kind of mid-level developer, you start to see things like automation IDs used more often. Um, Class names aren't bizarre. Uh, They're actually something that somebody can work with. Uh Um, It's broken up into testable chunks. So start seeing uh, that testing in mind, that code quality with test hooks in mind, which is really helpful because you're used to working with uh, test folks at that point as well. Whereas when you get to the senior, uh, and and this can we can go beyond that too if you want to, but when we get to the senior, this is somebody I expect has it down pretty much pat, right? I don't expect to find anything in their code that doesn't need to be there. It's only going to be what they need. Uh, it you know it's going to be very minimal because if they needed to do more than this one transfer uh, tra- uh, transformation of data or. Uh, pass too many things around, they're going to hand it off to other functions that are going to handle it for them, right? They're not going to make multiple calls out to different APIs from the same function. They're going to hand it off to smaller functions to call each one and hand it back to them. And they would have split it up in a way that each of these things can be tested and validated separately. Um, You'll see as you get to this level, the unit tests provided by a senior are uh, one that you usually have hundred uh, percent coverage, although you guys accomplished uh, the same things, which is really impressive, by the way, uh, for people. Good training is, uh, is only successful when people are willing to take it in. And, and you ha- clearly have. So uh, nod to you on that. That's impressive stuff. Because uh, usually that's what I expect from the seniors. I expect hundred percent, you know, them to hit that hundred percent mark on code coverage. Uh, they're doing mocking there. And this is all because they've, they've broken their code up so well. They've minimized what it does right? They made sure that they wrote it in such a way that they're able to test it without, uh, without ambiguity in their tests. Uh, every name is on purpose, right? Nothing is just named quickly on the spot. There's intention behind everything they've done. Um, and they've made it so that anybody stepping in, even if they don't know the language, can understand what their code does. You know, you can come from the world of Java and come in and read somebody else's Python code if they've written it properly. You don't need to know Python. You need to be able to read the code. And that's what a senior can really do. If they've, they've taken the time to make it that clean and crisp that anybody who understands code can come in and, and understand what's going on. Probably not wise for them to change it. Well, I know uh, I'm definitely still gonna raise spaghetti at some point.
0: <laughs> Been in tech for quite a while. Like what's... Um... What's the worst thing and the best thing about tech that, at least for you, like you've experienced throughout your career?
1: Uh, so we talked about some of my favorite things about tech. Uh, one being just the sharing atmosphere, the fact that everybody's there to help each other out, uh, the mutual success part of it. I, I love that about it. Uh, the other thing I really love about software is that you're always learning. In other industries, there's a chance you could potentially get to the point where you have learned everything about it. That will never be true in software. And that's a beautiful thing. The fact that it is always evolving, there's always something more to learn. There's always more that you can try on your own. There are always things that people haven't done, right? There's things that aren't explored. That's a great thing. That makes the industry uh, always competitive, but in the best possible way. Right, competition is a good thing in an industry where everybody's all about sharing. Right, <laughs> you're you're seeing who can come up with the cool thing next to give it to everybody else first. Like, that's amazing.
0: Yeah, and I mean, just thinking about GitHub and just overall, like, how you can just look up a package and just use it, or you can look at the code for it and be like, oh, that's how you did it. Okay, um, and then deconstruct it for yourself if you wanted to. I think that's really interesting, though. Um, so if you were to go back in time and, you know, kind of like throughout your career, if it was, what advice would you give to yourself?
1: I would impress upon myself how important communication is, mm-hmm. no matter what role you play in software. I know it doesn't quite fit the theme of the, <laughs> the um good code and code quality and all that, but... Good code is
0: communicating ideas it, your
1: functions. It is, and this is, this is the thing. Uh, a lot of people might think, oh, I need good communication skills if I'm gonna uh, you know, be a product owner or a project manager. I need good communication skills if I wanna go the management route. No, you need good communication skills if you want to do anything. Because nothing in software is done in a silo.
0: Hmm.
1: Nothing we do is alone even if you love to be that heads-down coder, and a lot of people do, and that's a great thing. No matter what, you need to communicate your ideas. You need to communicate your code because somebody's going to be reviewing it. You need to know how to get people on board with your ideas or how to communicate what's wrong with theirs or potential changes to theirs. We do not get better without communicating. We do not move forward without communicating. It doesn't matter if you want to remain and I see forever, which is a great path, right? You want to go that architecture route? No architect succeeds if they can't get everybody on board with their vision. That's not a thing. Communication is pivotal to every role in software.
0: Yeah, I can attest. Uh, I remember when I brought up Scratch, it did not, did not go
1: well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, you you work on a presentation for that. You work <laughs> on the communication. You who knows? Maybe you get us on board. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, it would expand our, uh, our available you know selection of employees. I, just, I, I
1: well I can I can get my kids in on the project. Mm-hmm. They write. They do scratch.
0: Telling you, you know I, I want to thank you for kind of just taking the time really to kind of talk about your career, especially when you've been through so many companies and companies that actually, I don't know if I ever work on Microsoft, Google, and I, they're just they're just too big but companies that a lot of people aspire to. Um, you know, I, I hope people have gained something from the information you share. I know, I definitely, that's a serious over here.
1: Well, I, I certainly hope that, you know, if this helps even one person in any way, I'm very happy about that. I'm glad I could help. Um, you know, I, I do think, and I do want to at least get this note out there and leave people with this thought. If you are looking at software, even if you're not in the industry yet, if you're just looking at the software industry and thinking, mm, man, I'd like to, to be part of the software industry. I, I want to, you know, do cool things, but uh, I just don't know if I can pull it off. That's, you know, you got to be really smart to do that. You got to have, you know, degree in computer science or all this. Software is all about getting in and giving it a shot and doing it. You can do amazing things with the resources out there. People self teach all the time. I didn't have a software background when I came into the industry, right? I came into an odd program. I'm not saying go that route because that's <laughs> good luck finding something that bizarre. Um, but there are ways in and there's no reason to think you, you can't be in this industry. You absolutely can. And not only that, you can go in the industry where you, where you want to go and where you think is right for you because there's always a path. Find the people who will help you go down that path.
0: Yeah, there's so many paths within just within our company and just thinking about from data to quality assurance to AWS to actual development.
1: Oh yeah, the diversity (laughs) of roles is enormous.
0: Yeah, it's only going to expand too. Oh yeah. You don't often get the time to speak with someone with the experience that Brett has and it's been a real treat a conversation like that needs some time to unwrap just the sheer density of information and advice alone you know some of the things that brett's talked about that really stuck out to me was about looking for the right team and the people to help you getting into software is just learning and over time you build up enough knowledge and if you ever feel overwhelmed, just remember the first point there are always people who are happy to share and happy to help coding is all about sharing and it wouldn't be as robust as it is without it on the code quality aspect i hope you take some time to reflect and kind of judge yourself as far as where you are in the growth cycle and hopefully strive to do better. Um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. And for the next segment, we're gonna talk about what is good code from a product owner's perspective.